This is the Book Legion Podcast, where we review thought-provoking books to give our Legionnaires the knowledge they need to dominate the next level of their life. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to the Book Legion. This is your host, Tizer Evans. This week, we're going to be reviewing the book, In Order to Live, by Yao Mi Park. If you're not familiar with who Yao Mi is or her story, it's really kind of crazy. I heard it on Rogan about a year ago. But Yao Mi, she was born in North Korea in uh, the northern province, pretty close to uh, northern province uh, where China was just right over a, a um, neighboring river. Why I wanted to read this book and cover it on here, I know it's a bit different. I think there's a lot of takeaways you can get from her story. So Yao Ming says she was born in North Korea in 1993, so right when Kim Jong-un II was still in power, who had taken over from his father, who had started the dictatorship in North Korea when they split from one uh, back in the 50s, and now is still under dictatorship rule. Uh, by Kim Jong-un and is one of the poorest, most uh, authoritarian countries on the planet. Podcast has really been about um, you know all kinds of acquiring different types of skills and how do we better ourselves and you know with sales or leadership or health or wellness, right, or our wealth and all pillars of our life. But why I wanted to look at this book is understanding things you can learn from other people's stories can be just as powerful as opposed to reading a book just on habits, right? So what I want to talk to you guys today was her story was really incredible. You know, she was born in North Korea in 1993. Her family actually does okay compared to a lot of the other families in North Korea. But what happens is her dad ends up um, creating a, committing a crime. He's kind of involved in this underground trading market that they have there where they bring goods over from China. Because again, this country, if you've ever looked at it on a map versus South Korea, China, and Mongolia, which the countries that surround it, North Korea is completely black. Um, at night. They don't have uh, running electricity. They do, but they cycle it through just a few of their main cities in the country. Um, All of their rations are really food supplies, go to the military. They have one of the largest militaries on earth, and obviously they're a nuclear threat, which is why they're constantly in the news. Um, They were closely aligned with the Soviet Union until it collapsed, which is one of the reasons why uh, they have been in such a bad, uh, dire position over the last 30 years because they are heavily subsidized by the Soviet Union and China. So the book talks a little bit about kind of the buildup. She does a good job of setting the pretext of why North Carolina is the way it is. And she goes into full details about how they grew up, that um, really them starving to death, pe- seeing people starving to death, um, having to eat grasshoppers, having to eat dragonflies is something that she talks about as being a delicacy. Um, you know, eggs were cooked once a year for uh, New Year's. So the book is, you know, a very heart-wrenching story. She ends up, you know, uh, fleeing and, and getting out of North Korea. And I don't want to give it away because it's a really, uh, you know, it's a phenomenal story, very heart-lifting, um, as much as it is heart-wrenching with the things that she had to go through and um, had to endure not only herself but uh, her sister, um, her mother. Basically, her and her mother do end up getting trafficked her sister did, but she, her sister was on her own. Her father um, has his own struggles between the prison camp and, and whatnot. So I said it was really heart-wrenching, but I want to talk to you about my three takeaways I got from the book about this story where, you know, eventually she does make it out 
and into South Korea, and eventually actually even comes to the United States and goes to Colombia. Um, and she talks a lot about what's the kind of some of the parallels of what's transgressing right now in the United States with more of a progressive socialist type movement and how she came here and some of the things that she's seen uh, versus North Korea. It was really interesting to get her take on that um, with where we're at with our society today, uh, you know, being an American myself. Um, so, but my first, you know, really big takeaway um, was just that, like, how much that those of us who live in abundance, that we really don't pay attention to uh, the small things in life. You know, even those of us who have gratitude practices, I think that oftentimes we still don't pay attention to the small things, like that you, that you got three meals today, right? That you didn't even have to consciously think about food. Not only did you have to think about food because your house is stocked with it. When you need to go get food, you don't have to wonder where it's going to come from. You just go to the grocery store and you have shelves that are stocked with everything you could ever possibly want or need. Where these people, they literally lived from meal to meal. Um, she talks about, you know, skin falling off of their body because they're so malnourished. Her, her herself, I mean, when she went on Rogan, he was talking about how small she was. And I think at the time she was like 80 or 85 pounds. So she got below 70 pounds at some point. So a full grown woman um, in the story because there's such a lack of resources and lack of food. So it just really brought me back to this place of gratitude again and looking at my life. I mean, some of the things that she said, like when she first got to China, she saw more food in the trash than she had like, you know, seen in, in like the last six months. Um, and you're just like, whoa, man, like I wouldn't eat, you just don't even, we don't even consciously think about that. You know, you don't eat all your, your leftovers, you got a little bit left in your, your plate, you throw it out. You know, that they don't do that at all. And the fact that all the meals that they get in North Korea, they share with their neighbors and people they're close with um, so they can all make sure that everybody's eating. So they're very selfless people and very community oriented. But again, they've been brainwashed that they don't believe in God. They believe that the um, Kim Jong-un and Kim Jong-il and his father before him, that they're gods, that they're literal gods. She even thought that they could hear her thoughts. Um, so they've been trained and brainwashed to just think that the state is God. Um, so it was really weird that they, they, they had this great sense of community where they all came together and really did help each other. Um, but they didn't have any like spiritual context around it at all because everything was about worshiping the, the God. And, and ironically, I read, uh, reread 1984 about three months ago. And you, I mean, it is literally, it's almost like that dictator took, you know, Eric Blair, George Orwell's book. And that was his playbook for a society because it's, it was like really no difference with the double speak, the condensing the language to remove words like the word love. They had no word for that. They didn't, she didn't have a real concept. She kind of understood like what the feeling, but there was no word for it. Um, so that was just anyway, the first big takeaway for me was that I could do a lot better job in my life of being grateful for the just the really simple small things that I don't think about or I don't have to think about. The second takeaway for me also was that I could give more. You know, it just made me think about how much abundance that I really do live in. I think about the excess of like the pairs of shoes that I have or hats or clothing um, or just even books, right? And that I could give more. I currently do donate to four charities, but I could give more money to those charities every month. And, or I could carry around, uh, there's people that I know that carry around bags of food and the bottle of water for homeless people when they see them. So maybe they don't have to give them money, they give them uh, you know, their next meal, which I think is 
more impactful because then you know that they're going to eat it and drink the water as opposed to use the money for things that wouldn't be good for them. So I think that this also made me think about so much of how we don't always think outside of the scope of what's happening here in the United States or even in your city or your state and think of confines of how other people live around the world. I think this kind of ties in with number one, just being more grateful that there are people that have it so, so, so much worse than we have it here in the United States. You know, what we would be considered to be poverty would typically be middle class or upper middle class for most countries. You know, she talks about them, some of the wages they got were equivalent to like a dollar a week that they would get for uh, some of the work that they would do um, in different places of China and in North Korea. So, you know, we can't even conceptualize that, you know, so when they're trying to save money to buy food and you're making a dollar a week, but then yet a bowl of rice is 35 cents, you know, we, we, it's just, just those things we don't, we don't think about, but we also don't think about how much like giving $20 a month to a charity to us means nothing, but to the charity and to the, the dollars that I can go to to help more people, um, you know, can mean all the difference in the world between living and dying. And so it just made me, again, I feel like because I am well-read and I do read it a lot that I am uh, conscientious of world events, but I could give more to the places that I know that are hurting. And then the last thing is just, you know, thinking about home and watching what happened with this country and how these people, you know, only took two generations for them to lose their freedoms and completely forget about the freedoms that they did have and the freedoms that South Korea had because they were they were brainwashed at South Korea in particular and the United States um, were all like murderers and, and rapists and they were all evil people, you know, we're the American bastards and that North South Koreans were even worse than Americans. And so just, you know, within a span of 30 years, you can go from living together all having one language as a country to this part of the country, not having any electricity and being completely brainwashed. And so for us, you know, living in the United States, uh, the constitution is really, in my eyes, more like a spiritual document. Um, and then there's a lot of controversy around the people who wrote it. We don't need to go there. I think that the intention of why it was written, that that truth still stands today. I think that the freedoms that we've been able to create in this country need to be protected because it's a slippery slope of what happens when you start to give away some of those freedoms to a government and you start to make people more powerful and the people have less of a voice and they have less of a way to protect themselves, then things turn ugly. If you look at every single uh, empire in history where more power went to uh, the autocracy or to a patriarchy, um, it was always ended up bad for the people, uh, like really bad, uh, catastrophically bad, where you know millions of people died. So I think it's really important to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves. You have your own house in order with self-discipline. Um, you're read up on the Constitution. You understand how money makes. I think that we could all do a much better job of owning our own freedoms and protecting them. Be involved in your local city council. I think if anything of COVID taught you, whether you like the politics one way or the other, the more you're involved, the more you will see your your voice will be heard. So the more you will see uh, the things that are important to you happening in your local community. And so that's where it's really got to start. Um, but we have to take the process really seriously. And a lot of us don't. And then we just complain about it um, afterward that these people are ruining our country. But you have every chance to go step up and be a leader 
and uh, be a voice in your community and you can be the one running as opposed to allowing other people to do it and then you complaining about them. So I think for me, I think we could do a better job of implementing better self-discipline and self-responsibility and really own and protect our own freedoms. So something like that would not uh, ever happen here in this country and that we can still continue to really truly be a beacon uh, for the rest of the world. What is own, what happens when citizens stand up and they own their own individual freedoms and they tell a government that now you work for us as opposed to the other way around. So um, anyway, the book was a uh, phenomenal said uh, I blew through it in about four or five days. Um, it's, it's, she did a great job um, uh, writing it. She d- does have, a, I think, a sequel or a second book coming out at the beginning of 2023. I've already pre-ordered that. But this one was only about, only $10. I'll put the link in the description below. Uh, so go check it out. And said she's done a, a Lex Friedman podcast and was on the Joe Rogan podcast. If you want to listen to her, her tell her story uh, to both of them. Um, you can listen to both. It doesn't ruin the book and it doesn't ruin the podcast because uh, the book's going to go into a bit more detail than the podcast does. But both are really powerful. So anyway, if you guys haven't done so, check out my other podcast, uh, Grind, Sell, Elevate. It's where I interview uh, business leaders, entrepreneurs from all different walks of business. So you can find that on all uh, on all different types of platform, podcast platforms. There's a link for it in the show notes. And then also my brand here, I've got uh, Odin's Rune is an apparel brand that I've started. It's a motivational themed uh, with kind of a Nordic uh, twist to it. So check that out, odinsrune.com. All right, we'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks so much. Thank <laughs> you.